0: A creature alive today has survived millions of years of evolution. It lives to kill a mindless eating machine that will attack and devour anything. One terrified you like nothing you have ever experienced when it captured your imagination and tapped your fear like no movie before it. Then. Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, two continued the legend and spread the fear. Next summer, nature's most terrifying creature takes on an all-new dimension in an all-new adventure. And for the first time, the terror of Jaws will not stop at the edge of the (laughs) screen. The third dimension is terror. episode of Movie Geeks United. We welcome legendary Oscar nominated art director and production designer Mr. Joe Alves with a career that began in the 1950s. Mr. Alves has been instrumental in the creation of such films and TV shows as Night Gallery, Marcus Welby M.D., Escape from New York, Starman, Torn Curtain, Forbidden Planet, Free Jack, Everybody's All-American, and Geronimo, an American Legend. In the 1970s, he began a collaboration with Steven Spielberg that resulted in his work in the films The Sugarland Express, Close Encounters, and of course, Jaws, for which he was a pivotal figure in the creation of the shark. Mr. Alves would later go on to serve as both production designer and second unit director on Jaws 2, and eventually graduated to directing on the third film. On this episode, we'll discuss the creation of the the second and third film in the Jaws series as they celebrate their 40th and 35th anniversary. It's a pleasure to welcome you to our show. All right. So Thank you. I'll- Yes, we're we're so glad to have you. We've been trying to do this for a while, and our schedules just didn't sync up. But finally, we were able to make it happen. So we're we're eternally grateful for you taking the time because we we really are big fans of your work and and not just Jaws, not just Close Encounters, but the other stuff too. And uh, there's so much. You have such a a, a, a career that spans so many decades in different genres. And so, anyway, but what I want to do is just uh, find out how you got started in the business, how you, where you were born, and, and how you got into it.
1: Well, I was born in the uh, East Bay area in, uh, <clears throat> near Oakland, San Leandro. I was born there, raised uh, in Hayward. I went to Hayward Hyde, and I went to San Jose State for uh, uh, a year and um, was interested in. Uh, Got interested in uh, theater and majored in architecture, minored in art, uh, but I was in the play, and so I was a combination of architecture and drama. But I always wanted to uh, be, do movies and uh, get into the, the art uh, side of movies. Uh, in my second year, I went uh, drove down to LA because I figured that's where movies are made, and I went to uh, an art school called Chenard's, because it's specialized in uh, production designing, and uh, so I did that, and that was, uh, you know, be- very beneficial. Uh, I learned a lot about uh, illustrations and stuff. And then uh, that semester, uh, I needed a summer job, and I didn't want to come back home. I was hoping to get a summer job uh, in the, you know, Los Angeles area.
2: Mm -hmm. And uh, a
1: friend of mine from college uh, said his wife's father uh, worked for Walt Disney and maybe maybe I can get a job there. And so uh, I said, well, you know, I'll get a job sweeping up and what have you. As it turned out, he was the guy that did the hiring for the uh, artist. So I called him and he says, oh, you know my daughter? I said, yeah, Camille. Uh, And – he said, well, bring your portfolio. And I said, well, I don't know if I'm ready, because I was pretty young. I, I was uh, 18, just turned 19. Um, and uh said, no, bring your portfolio. So I brought it, and he looked at it. He said, well, you're too late for the, oh, you know, for the characters and Mickey Mouse things, but maybe we could put you in special effects. And that would be doing fire, water, all those incredible effects they do in animation then mm-hmm. I said like that's great so uh, I, I started uh, the, the next day uh, he put me in a room with this lady uh, and I said what do I do and she put me at this desk with a big round you know window kind of thing and you put the papers down with three little punch holes and you draw in between you know flip the pages and so uh, that's how I started.
0: Wow, that's interesting but how that all how it all worked out.
1: Well, well it worked out unbelievably, uh, Adam. Because generally, it takes you start as a trainee, mm-hmm. and uh, you work uh, as an in betweener for maybe a year or two. And if you're lucky, you get to be a breakdown artist. And after some time like that, then you become an assistant animator, and mm-hmm. that takes years to become an animator. Well, get this. This is unbelievable. Uh, so I'm working for her for a few weeks, and I'm learning. And uh, she was working for Dwight Carlisle, who was an older assistant uh, animator who's working for Josh Metter, who was the king of animators. He did the fire in Bambi. He did the Night in Bald Mountain. He did all this incredible stuff.
2: He was doing
1: a picture, which was a found out thing for uh, MGM, for Forbidden Planet, and he was drawing the it. and each cell had to be rendered because they didn't want to use ink and paint. So this is pretty interesting. So she was working for his assistant, and then she had to leave for some reason, and they turned the work over to me. And so I'm working for his assistant drawing the id. And in about a month or so, he had to go into the hospital. So now this young kid, 19, been there for less than two months, I'm now working assisting this incredible, uh, you know, animator, effects animator. And we're we're doing the id for, uh, you know, it, it was just amazing. Uh, Forbidden Planet became a big movie at the time, and the id was a creature, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: that's how I started at uh, Disney. It was pretty, it was, it was just amazing, you know, uh, good fortune.
0: Yeah, and Forbidden Planet is still regarded as one of the great sci-fi films of the 50s. I know people still love it, still talk about it. It's very relevant, and, and that's that's quite an accomplishment that you were there for the... For the production of that, and um, then, or,
1: yeah, then then I stayed on and I, I did uh, uh, Sleeping Beauty, uh, where he fights the thorns, and I did have a lot of effect stuff. And after a couple of years, I really wanted to get into live action and uh, and not animation. So I left, and uh, a friend of mine from college also came, and he was working in publicity at Disney, but he was a director. And he started um, doing some plays um, on the Hollywood Playhouse. So I went there and I did sets uh, for four shows. And uh, I built a portfolio of set designs and illustrations of sets. And then uh, someone introduced me to the process of you go to the union to become a set designer and... uh, Eventually, I became uh, a junior set designer, and it uh, we got, went from all, all the studio system. then, you, you you were the last to be hired, and the first to be hired, but I worked at Fox, I worked at MGM, I worked at uh, all these various studios, and then, after so many time, I sort of got a home at uh, Universal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A set designer,
0: there. Yeah, and that I know you, a lot of your early television work was at Universal. I'm assuming that that came sprang from that when you did Night Gallery and Marcus Welby and some of those shows. I, I know. Yeah,
1: what what happened, Adam? Is you work as a set designer, uh, and I was working on Mad Mad Mad, Mad World, Stanley Kramer oh, picture. Wow. Of one of the key set designers at that time, I've been there about a couple of years, <clears throat> and uh, as it went, a few things gave me the opportunity to move in and become the assistant art director. And when I became assistant art director, and then I was working with this art director Frank who was sort of my mentor, and we did um, for, uh, we did Torn Curtain, uh, Alfred Hitchcock picture.
2: Mm -hmm. And that
1: was quite an experience working with Hitchcock. And we did Change of Habit, which is Elvis Presley's last movie with Mary Tyler Moore. Yes. And then eventually I got my own shows. Uh, I did a television thing called um, The Psychiatrist with a young director, uh, Steven Spielberg. He did two of those. And then Night Gallery, and Stephen did a Night Gallery, and then I did, ended up doing uh, forty-five episodes of Night Gallery. It was a couple of years of Night Gallery and uh, other television things. Uh, Richard Boone had a Western series called Tech Ramsey, and so you just you know that we were doing a lot of movies of the week, and then this young uh, Spielberg uh, got a, his first feature film, uh, which is Sugarland Express, and so I got to work with Stephen, and then we sort of uh, partnered up for uh, the next few years.
0: Yeah, that was my next question. I guess you just answered it, was how, uh, at what point did you guys connect? And I, I figured it was Night Gallery, but I, I wasn't 100% sure, and and uh, but I know you did do a lot of work. I I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask uh, if you had any mem- memories of Rod Serling while you were there, just out of curiosity for my own sake, because I was I'm oh, a fan. Yes. Yeah. Of...
1: yeah, Rod was great. Uh, a great guy. He he wasn't uh, he wasn't a line producer like on Twilight Zone. Right. Uh, and but he was he he would come in quite often. And I remember Lawrence Harvey uh, did a did kind of Caterpillar. Uh,
0: oh, that's which, a terrific uh, one. That's one of our favorites. <laughs>
1: great show, and I had to do Barney. you know, this sort of jungle, you know, area. with, uh, And um, so uh, <laughs> it was great because we were drinking um, wine because uh, Lawrence was a wine collector, and Janosch was the director. I worked with know a lot. And later, mm-hmm. I'll tell you how well, I got him the job uh, for Jaws 2. But it, it Rod Furley and know and I were all about the same height, so, you know, mid uh, five, sixes. You know, short
2: mm-hmm. guys.
1: All the dark hair. And uh, we were getting wine. And, and uh, Rod paid me a big compliment. I'll never forget this because I was so high. I I'm so amazed and impressed by the good stuff that you've done, you know, and he turned to me, he said, what do you mean? He said, you're the guy that's doing all the work here, you know, you're you're making it, you know, all of stuff." And It was a nice gesture, a nice compliment, but it impressed me that at that time in my career that this uh, very well-known writer, you know, would give me such a compliment. Right. So, yeah, it was yeah. very, yeah. And interesting because uh, just a few months ago uh, in Burbank, California, there's a, a book shop.
2: Mm-hmm. And uh,
1: this writer uh, who wrote a, a book about Night Gallery, he had um, uh, Tom who did all the paintings. He had him there the week before. And then the following week he had me with know and John Batham and the makeup guy. And uh, uh, it was... Um, Quite a reunion after, God, how
0: many, 40 years or something like that, you know. Yeah. That's very nice. Very, very impressive. Yes. Yeah, I, I, there are some really, really good episodes of and the Caterpillar is one that that I think for anybody who has ever watched Night Gallery and seen that episode, it, it definitely stays with you. So, Oh, I,
1: yeah. That one in uh, The Sins of the Father was well, another one that I really liked.
0: Oh, uh, yes. Absolutely yes. terrific. I'm
1: Agnes Warhead. And, uh, yes. Yeah, Richard Thomas. Yeah, yeah
0: those those are those are the ones, and and the pilot one I remember that was that had uh, Roddy McDowell with the the changing paintings, um, the in the pilot film. Yes. It was one of the stories. Yes. That's an O.C. Davis, I think. Yeah, those are those are good good ones. That's that's something to be proud yeah, of. It was um, so
2: that was the,
1: that was the way it was. You worked in the studio once you got locked in, and you pretty much were as a staff guy, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you You went from television and uh then to to movies and you just uh, you just waited for the next project and we ended up doing a lot of uh, movies of the week at that time uh movies for television you know uh in between theatrical ones so we kept pretty busy
0: yeah i'm a, I'm a big fan of one of the films you worked on isn't it shocking which was directed by John Batham you mentioned him earlier and I know he yeah. started out on yeah that's a terrific movie that uh I'd like to see it get a decent video release you I mean you can find it online but that, it's it's you know
1: it's hard that to was get great. Uh, uh I'm trying to think of uh the the guy that was in uh, MASH
0: um, uh, Alan Alda yeah
1: Alan Alda was the star and um we did that up in uh, Salem Oregon and mm-hmm. uh that was beautiful location and I really enjoyed that, and my relationship with John. We did a number of things. Uh, we did. Uh, then we did, we did drops over together and stuff. So, yeah, you know, we were we, we kept busy. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. There were quite a few there. And and you did the uh, the remake of Double Indemnity um, with Richard Crenna too. I think you were involved with that as well.
1: I, I, that came at a very interesting time. I want to tell you. Uh, I'll segue uh, for a minute. Sure. I, w- I was doing. Uh, I was doing that show, and double um, and it was pretty much uh, on a, a location, uh, a big estate on location. And so my job was basically what. Once we got the, the location, I would check it in the morning. Make sure everything was fine, the director got what he wanted, and I go back to my office in the studio. About that time, I get a call from David Brown, Zanuck and Brown. And I had worked with him on Surgery Land
2: Express. Mm-hmm. And
1: David said, that, Joe, um, my wife, uh, Helen Curley Brown, who was uh, the uh, editor of Puzzle magazine but I guess right. looking for projects and stuff and found the gallery sheets of this uh, book uh, that uh, this young writer Peter Benchley had just written and it was uh, about a shark and David said we'd like to we'd like to get some illustrations uh, to try to try to sell the studio on making this shark movie And, Joe, if you could do us a few dozen illustrations of the shark activity uh, in the book, uh, that would be very helpful for us. And um, I said, okay, David, uh, I'll be happy to do that. Now, the thing is, I was an art director. As an art director, you could do an occasional drawing. But if you had a lot of drawings, you should go to a different union. That would be the illustrators. Well, they... They didn't have a charge number, so they really couldn't get an illustrator to do it. And Dick Zanuck and I had become pretty good you know, acquaintances uh, traveling around uh, looking for locations in Texas. And he told David, oh, let's get Joe to do them. And so the fact that I had plenty of time on double indemnity, uh, I started doing the Jaws illustrations while I had great when I, between going to the set on double and Demi, so I have plenty of time. So I think there uh, are about 36 big charcoal, I think 12 by 18 uh, inches uh, of charcoal joints. of all the shark activity, the girl on the beach, the little boy getting eaten, uh, the, the fishermen, uh, you know, the shark eating the you know, Quint and and all that. And all that stuff was pretty much based on the galley sheets. And I had done very little research at that time, so a lot of the stuff looks like uh, Bobby Dick where they're throwing the harp, you know, they didn't have a gun, I had them, you know, throwing their harpoons and stuff. Uh, But uh, later we had a meeting with all department heads and I sort of helped, you know, that meeting uh, and illustrated uh, what we were doing. And at that time, Steven was not signed on the movie. This was very, very early. But we became sort of friendly uh, after Sugarland. So I'd go down to his cabana uh, on the lot there, you know, his office, and I'd say, "Look at this, you know, the shark movie, and blah blah blah." And say, yeah, that's interesting, and. uh So I said, well, I sure hope, uh, you know, that you get uh, assigned to it. And he said, well, I was thinking about doing a pirate movie, and I don't know, and we'll see what happens. And and, and that's how we sort of developed uh, the whole thing and talked about making a big shark in the real ocean. And
0: that started Jaws. Well, we won't talk too much about the original Jaws. We'll just jump ahead now to – we'll skip ahead. We'll just say that you were involved in Jaws and Close Encounters, which are uh, tremendous accomplishments. What you did for both of those films is just uh, terrific. I can't, can't praise you enough for, for your work there. But we'll jump ahead to Jaws 2 because this is we're celebrating the 40th anniversary of Jaws 2. And, and I understand that it was a troubled production that John yeah. Hancock was the original director – and I'm right. not, I was. I'm a little vague about why. I know he was dismissed, but I'm. I'm a little vague about that. And I was just wondering if maybe you could shed some light on, on why that happened.
1: I I, I certainly can. And let me just start uh, with close encounters. Uh, we're in Mobile, Alabama,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: uh, it's. Uh, I happened to meet uh, this girl that was uh, saving uh, greyhound dogs because they they race them there. And on Sunday, she would uh, run him on the beach. And she said, oh, you know, you want to go with me? I said, yeah. So we went to Navarre Beach, and I said, oh, my gosh, this is a beautiful beach, and there's no boat traffic out there. If we ever do a Jaws 2, this would be perfect to do all the shark stuff because we had so much problem in Martin's Vineyard with all the boat traffic. So right. I, I get I get back home, and they, Zanuck and Brown, uh, say, well, we're doing Jaws 2. We've already started it. Bob Maddie's working on the shark. Not, not away from the studio now. It's all studio controlled. This is a big problem. Jaws was not studio controlled. Uh, but now they're making it on the lot. And they got this director, John Hancock. And he's getting involved with Bob Maddy, telling me what's a shark to flip around and do all these things. So I meet John. We get along great. He's a very nice man. Uh, his wife, Dorothy Tristan, is working on the script. She's a writer. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I get involved. And um, um, so and Stephen wanted to me to do a picture uh, uh, that he was working on, but he didn't have a deal. Being didn't belong in the trial and all. So no, no, it wasn't that. It was uh, the picture he did uh, after. I can't remember. I'll think about it. But in any case... Uh, he didn't have a deal, and Zanuck and Brown wanted me to do uh, Jaws quite badly, so they offered me uh, not only production design, associate producer, and they pretty much never have associates; but they pretty much do it themselves. Uh,
2: mm-hmm. And
1: uh, second year director, so it was quite a quite a project, and um, so and then I got I wasn't getting paid scale now. This is you know, incredible. Uh, let's say uh, elevation in my career. Uh, so anyway, I started working with John, and I, I said, John, you know, this is a really complicated movie, you know, with the shark and all the shark activity and yeah yeah and He he didn't take it that quite serious. He was doing a play with uh, Tennessee Williams, a local play uh, down on. Uh, Crescent Heights there uh, in Hollywood and the uh, theater there and uh I met Tennessee Williams, it was right but I don't think it's you know. Uh, I hate to tell you but I think you really should, should focus on this movie. Well, oh, yes, 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 yes no, no problem. In any case, uh, we started to go on location, Martha's Vineyard and we you know, and uh he had some casting. Uh, he didn't cast Jeffrey Kramer as the sheriff's uh, deputy. He, he cast somebody else and he, he, different kids. And in any case, he had a different play on the movie. He wanted Martin Scorsese to look dark, and he wanted the fence to broken. He wanted the kids' boats to look dark, like everything. The shark just made everything bad. And I wasn't really happy with that concept, but he was the director. And, Mm-hmm. Studio went along with it. In any case, um, I said okay, so I was there with him, and in the meantime, I was getting Bob Maddie and the effects people set up in Florida, Navarre Beach, so we could do all our all our water stuff there, and just do and just do Amity, you know, in uh, Edgartown. So the first day of shooting, he had all the kids on the dock and. He was, uh, he was having trouble staging. And uh, Tom Joyner was the production manager. He had um, been the first assistant on John's and so he was elevated. So I don't know. I was hearing, I heard that John wanted to rap at 3 o'clock. And, and my God, uh, in the summer at 3 o'clock, he got another four hours of light, you know, pretty much. And
2: yeah. There. He
1: said, well, I'm having problems and, you know, and I said, okay, I said, can I help you? He said, well, you could start doing some second units uh, run by, and, you know, things like that, establishing the island, which I did. And then he was still struggling with the kids. And then I left uh, and I went down to Florida to get with Bob Maddy and I heard that uh, they were canceling the show. They had let John go. I had nothing to do with it. I had no knowledge that that was going to happen. I just thought that he was struggling a little bit. Janica Brown had a problem with it. And uh, I went back to um, L.A. And I met with Verna Fields, who was uh, really a close friend. She was the editor of John on the Academy Award.
2: Mm -hmm. But
1: now she was uh, like a vice president, uh, an executive at Universal. She had an office there, and I said, gee, uh, what happened? She says, you know, I don't know. you, you, you want to shut it down? So uh, I went to talk to Ned Cannon, who was uh, now the, uh, the head of Universal. He's still Lou Wasserman, but he was
2: uh,
1: the head uh functioning president. And uh, I said, well, yeah, what could uh he so said, what, you and Bruno want to direct it? Because we have directors since second unit on job, both of us. Well, the Directors Guild wouldn't let us do that because you can't move from one position to the other as a director in the movie. They things mm-hmm. like that. Because people would sometimes hire the director and put the cameraman in, you know. And I said, no, there's a director. They're, they're talking about auto Preminger and the director. I said, we lose everything we've got. We've got to. We've got to start shooting the shark during the summer, or we're going to lose the whole year. And they saw the, you know, the obvious that, that was true. And I said, I recommend this. you know I Did a lot of night gals with him. He's a good director. He's got this movie out called Bug. Was a small independent thing. Melvina mm-hmm. ran it. She liked it, and, uh, and they got. Uh, you uh, know, got the job and we went to Florida, Navar Beach, and uh we started recasting and we brought Carl Godley in to start doing rewrites and uh and that was how we geared up and then because know had uh so quickly had to you know get himself accustomed to what was happening with the rewrites and working with the actors and had a little problem with the Scheider who really didn't want to do the sequel. Uh, in any case, uh, I ended up directing about 80, 85 days of second unit a lot of action stuff to help uh, Janelle along in all you know, the coverage we needed. And uh, That was uh, pretty much the, uh, the Jaws 2 story. It was a very, very difficult picture. A number of things, the, the studio got more involved. They wanted more and more shark footage. They thought, because Jaws are so successful with the shark, let's have more shark and more shark, and we shot a lot of shark, uh, even though we had to cut a lot of it out, you know. But, uh, yeah, that's the story.
0: Well, that's very interesting. Yeah, and and so it sounds like they were very close to just completely shutting the production down. That's very shocking um, that they were just going to... Yeah, they they said they were going to just...
1: Shut it down, forget it. And we already had spent a couple million dollars on on the shark and other activities. And um, but it did, it, you know. There were some uh, casting rechanges of some of the kids. Uh, I repainted all the boats, bright colors. And the whole idea is, no, we're going to be happy, and uh, it's going to be fun. And oh my gosh, and here comes the shark again. So we didn't want. It make it a downer wanted us to make it a happy movie with the kids sailing and, and everything was good and you know and uh, Murray Hamilton's character the mayor he was happy because everybody was coming back again and oh boy here comes the shark again so it was a, a really good turn uh, and uh, we had to go back and get a lot of footage on the island uh, with Bill Gilmore who was the production manager on Jaws he went there with Lorraine Gary and Russia and got just run by and stuff. Uh, and then you know worked real hard to with Carl put the new concepts and uh, directed a lot of things with the kids sailing their boats. And it was it was not without problems because we didn't have boat traffic out there, so we had pretty much empty. Boat, but we did have uh, some heavy, heavy you know. uh well, the you know, Gulf of Mexico can have these little tornadoes and things like that. We had
2: mm-hmm. some,
1: some problems with that. So, um, but it was a it was a long shoot, uh, and it was a hard shoot in many ways. Sometimes even harder than jaws because we were trying to do so so much stuff. But the shark was always working pretty good now, because once we got you know the time to develop it. Uh, we we made faster sharks. We made shark fins. Uh, I did a sequence with uh, the girl on the boat that uh, blows up and burns. Uh, and uh, so it was, yeah, it was a lot of activity.
0: Yeah, you can tell the improvements in in the shark attack scenes for for what the movie if it's missing some of the 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 richness of characterization that we that we have in the original movie i, I they kind of make up for it with the attack scene so i'll i'll give it to them for that on jaws too it does it does deliver in that department for sure and your contributions are are superb of course but of course it went on to make yeah. a lot of money and 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 all that yeah, so i guess it's
1: a different activity you know there's a the thing you,
0: you, when you do sequels you're, you're always going to have problems
1: right. with that we. We lost the main characters, the three characters. So now what we did was rely more on the activity of the kids. And, and, and you know, we still had the sheriff uh, and he had, you know, his problems. And we had beach scenes and stuff like that. But, yes, the shark worked better. Uh, and I think it, w- it was a, a successful movie, certainly financially. It was, it was quite there. Uh, but you don't have the same impact as the first one, and you never will because no. you know. And we had the same problem on three, and then four. I had nothing to do with four, but three did financially extremely well. The only one that didn't really work was four. It just sort of died, you know.
0: Yeah, I think I think it had run its course by that time, and and that's that was going to be my next question because after Jaws two came and and it did. M- Really well uh, financially. They wanted to do. They they said, well, we. Uh, from what I understand, they had made the decision that they had gone as far as they could with the Jaws concept. So let's just do a parody. And they had a script called Jaws Three People Zero, I believe. And I wanted to see yeah. if you had any involvement with that one. I didn't know if you did.
1: Uh, no, I I didn't. I'll tell you what happened. Uh, Joe Donkey was going to correct that and make me look at. It was uh, it, it was sort of in bad taste. It was to, to make fun of the people that made the most successful movie, uh, which was really... Spielberg heard about it and was extremely upset because, you know, we're going to make him look like an idiot. And uh, he said, well, I, I think that basically that if you make this and forget about me, we're doing anything universal. Uh, so they... They stopped that. But prior to that, Zanuck and Brown pretty well washed the hands of the second sequel. And um, uh, Alan Landsberg, who was a television guy, he's that's incredible. And the you know, crazy shows like that, a lot of documentaries, docudramas and stuff.
0: Yeah. In Search Of was the one that I always thought of when I thought of Alan Landsberg, the one with Leonard Nimoy hosting.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was that kind of thing. So yeah. um, he hadn't done any, too many of the real serious dramas. I was doing a picture with Zanuck and Brown called The Ninja. Irv Kirchner was the director. And I was on that for some time. And it was a very successful book, The Ninja. And um, I was building sets in New York, and we were scouting Japan, and I was doing that. And it went on for months and months, but Irv couldn't. It was you know the, the, the script was good and the, the, the book was good, but he kept changing things. He couldn't get it locked down. I mean, he couldn't get it cast. And um, I guess I was on it seven, eight months. Um, and then it was for Fox Studios, and Fox got sold to. I can't remember now who, who bought it, but it changed. All the they changed the thing, and the owner said, "If we're not shooting, if we're not cast, we're not committed. Uh, we're canceling everything." Mm. So that that was it. I was for a, 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 probably a number of weeks. Uh, Dickson said, uh, don't come into the office. We're in the, we're just on the holding, and we were on the holding stage for some time, and I uh, was just hanging out in New York. Uh, having fun, and then uh, they just canceled it. I came back to LA and I went to see my good friend the Fields. And I said, um, She said, Joe, it's a disaster. Uh, Dick and David are out of Jaws. They sold it to Alan Landsberg, who wants to make cheap movies. Uh, they had this thing, Jaws 3, to people, you know. She was just distraught by the whole thing. She said, why don't you go see Landsburg and see if you could save this thing? You know, it, uh, you know, the, uh, we worked so hard on, on one and two, cause she was very mm-hmm. active on two, uh, and, uh, you know, the franchise. So I went to see Landsburg. and he's, you know, he had an attitude. You know, he's really positive. He controlled everything. And, um, so, how um, should I say a Trump sort of attitude? You know, he's very confident, <laughs> and uh, uh, but that's a sort of kind of personality. You know, everything right. he did, was great. and he knew everything pretty much.
2: And I'm not so much
1: I talk bad about a guy. He's not alive anymore, but he mm. was sort of difficult uh, because I I said okay, uh, well Richard was was the writer of this the script, and Richard did some good things, the Twilight Zone and stuff. And
0: of course. Said, well, yeah. we're
1: gonna, it, it takes place in the theme park, a water theme park. Why don't you, you know, he said, do you want to produce it? I said, no, either I direct it or I don't want to be involved in the producing thing. He says, okay, go scout with Richard, see what you guys come up with, and we'll, we'll talk about it. So, uh, we went with... Uh, an assistant of uh, uh, Alan's and a um, young guy, and, um, and uh, we started looking at theme parks in Florida, water theme parks. And one particular one, there was uh, a screening. Uh, it was a theater, uh, theater. They had underwater stuff. and I don't remember who made it, but it was beautiful. It was, you know, tide pools and uh, coral reefs and stuff like that, and it was in mm-hmm. 3D. And uh, so I came out, and Richard looked at, me, <laughs> looked at me and he said, What are you talking about doing this in 3D? I said, No, Richard, look at this. JAWS 3D. We take the onus off the third, we make the third, you know, JAWS 3D, and it's suddenly a new thing. And I came back, uh, I think um, it was Thanksgiving break, so I was at my sister's, and uh, at that time I drew a shark coming at us, and I had Jaws, 3D, 3 D, coming out at the, uh, you know, I showed it to Alan, and he, uh, he said, oh, this is great, let's go to Sinshineberg, and he went and he looked at it, he said, good, can I borrow? can I have this, I said, yeah, you can have president." you know, Anyway, um, what happened is uh, he took it to Wasserman and Wasserman said, this is great. So uh, they were all excited uh, about doing Jaws 3D and I was going to direct it. And uh, so that's how that started. And um, so then I had to get a crew together, Jimmy Cotner, who was the assistant cameraman on Jaws, who had done some really good shows. Um, she was Stallone. he
0: has got a big director
1: of photography. And, uh, put a crew together and, um, casting. Started casting. I, uh, you know, I think, uh, Helen, uh you know, so what, what we had, John Hutch, and, uh, Lou Gossip was a, a big thing. Um, and, um,
2: oh, yeah, Leah
1: Thompson, um, Leah Thompson came in, and uh, for some reason, they didn't like her too much. I liked her a lot. I thought she was very fresh and a lot of, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, so
2: we,
1: then we were cast into New York, and she shows up again and says, oh, I thought you guys want to see me again, you know, sort of. And I said, I really like her, so that, that was great. So we went to, had the cast together, and, uh, you know, the lead, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, just Dennis Quaid. It, uh, yeah. Dennis Quaid then he said worked with with Alan. Anyway, so oh. we had a good good group and um I told Alan, I said, we've got to start making uh, some sharks. Said, what do we mean no, 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 I've got all the stock footage of sharks. We're just gonna use sharks, real sharks and animated dummies from there. I said, That's not gonna work, Alan, you know. I said, besides we need a bigger shark. What are you talking about? we Swallow Simon McCorkendale, so we needed a 35-foot shark. So basically, we had to make a bigger shark. I brought Rory Grass in to make a bigger shark, and we did a lot of smaller, and we did some interesting things. We built a big tank. Uh, We we found a location in, in Orlando, Florida. Built a big tank there and did the underwater stuff there, we also did something different, too. We did a lot of dry for wet, like in the tunnel that was not underwater. That was all uh, make-believe water, uh, and the shark was dry. So it was, it was uh, very different. Uh, but my big problem, my two problems were, one, uh, Alan wants to start shooting very quickly. As I said, we don't have a camera. This is old camera stuff that we have. It wasn't quite as old as uh, the twin cameras in House of Wax, but it was a single lens camera thing, but mm-hmm. Jimmy would call it the Ultra Jam. Cause it, so we had Aeroflex make us some new cameras, underwater cameras and some new cameras, and we were doing 35 millimeter, and we were cutting, slicing it in half, and the top half would be the left eye, and the bottom half would be the right eye. And so I had this incredibly wide you know, uh, aperture, you know, format. It was very difficult, uh, to always put the actors and There was so much space there. Uh, so that was my problem. And then the second problem really was Alan. He was uh, always trying to tell me, uh, what to shoot and how to shoot. And I eventually got a very, very large first assistant director. I said, just keep him away from me. Let me make this movie. It sort of leveled out, but it was a, it was a struggle. Uh, it was not easy because we didn't know if the convergence was right. You know, when you would see dailies and eyes uh, would be burning, because not only have to get the camera convergence, kind of get the projector convergence, and um, yeah, it was a struggle. Uh, but uh, the thing that uh, bothered me mostly is that I cut the movie. Uh, I didn't have Final Cut. Cut the movie at the same distance, the length is one to two, about two hours and three minutes. And Alan and the studio decided to cut it 20 minutes out of that. And so a lot of the story and and personal, uh, you know, I got a Charles Chaplin was a um, critic, and he criticized that. He said that I cut the film too quickly, uh, you know, expedited it, and it wasn't me at all. you don't have final cut when you do your first movie right So there were some things that uh they, you know they cut out they wanted to get to the the meat of this you know for the picture but um all in all uh, was, uh, I had no problems with the actors they were good and she did his thing and leah and john patch and, and of course uh you know Luke gossip was an incredible actor uh, so that was it you uh, it came out. It was number one box office for a couple weeks, and so the critics uh, didn't do it well, but uh, made a lot of money. You know.
0: Yeah, it, it sounds like it was an uphill battle for you, and I—I I, I figured as much. Really, just kind of reading what I had read over the years, it looked like a—it was an unenviable task for you. And yeah, uh, yeah but one of our listeners. Uh, who listens to our show? She had. I told her I was going to be talking to you. Her name is Paige, and I was going to ask a question that she had uh, want, wanted to know about Bess Armstrong because she said that she looked confident when she was riding the whale in the film. But but she was wondering how much training she did, and were there any incidents or causes for concern when uh, Bess Armstrong? Because it was kind of sc- scary with the uh, closeness of proximity of her being. Yeah.
1: She was amazing uh, that she could ride that whale. And also Leah played, she stood on the top of the kids, uh, you know, with the skiers. But riding the whale was incredible. We had no trouble with the whale, except I I did close shots with the whale, Beth and and Dennis, uh, and the whale would pretty much, you know, take the command. But then when we were finished, the whale would want to play – to interrupt us and splash around and do things. They had, uh, we had no pellet. And I heard a couple of years ago, somebody that was doing a show with a whale got killed, you know, got eaten or bitten. And, uh, right. But we were, we worked with real dolphins and, uh, the dolphin trainers. The, the people at, uh, at SeaWorld were great. They were really great. Uh, and I worked with the trainers, and uh, we, we had to coordinate with them. You, you know what I mean? Because they were running the show. Uh, in other words, if we needed a big whale, okay, they're pretty much directing the whale to come, okay, and do this, turn right, left. Uh, the same thing with the, with the dolphins and, and stuff. So it was a quite a good core, coordination. And uh, I would say um, everything was pr- pretty well Second, an interesting thing, um, Lou Gossett, we made Lou Gossett, the head of T-World, and he was an African-American guy, and they weren't hiring black people much. And so that was a interesting
0: twist in the movie, you know. Uh, yeah, it is. Make a statement there. It really uh, is. and 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 I think the film, another good strong point about that movie is it has a nice... Uh, you know, so, so some some statements that you work in there about the ecology, you know, and and uh, yes. th- things of that nature that you were able to weave some of that into the film, and uh, that was kind of ahead of its time, because that's become yeah. More, uh,
1: we, we, we try to do that, you know, and and uh, I think that was very very beneficial. Yes, you know, saving the animals and treating them, you know, correctly
2: and stuff.
0: Yeah, that was uh that that was a nice touch and and I don't think that film gets enough credit for for trying to to inject some something of substance into the proceedings yeah. of a, you know, a mainstream Hollywood film. So so that's that's good. But um uh, definitely, but well uh this this has been great. I don't want to take too much more of your time, uh, but we really appreciate you coming on and talking about these two films because they're okay. they are finally remembered all these years later and and yes and, they are I I
1: I I do get their comments and uh, requests for signing things for uh, there are the Jaws two and we and the Jaws three I've got some big fans in Europe from Jaws three it's it's funny yeah you do have people that uh, something that they captured it was captured there that they just hang on to you know. Yes,
0: and and another thing too is
1: my Um, wife said, book. I have we we do want to mention this to your listeners. Sure, yes, absolutely. Book Dennis Prince and I did a book because there was a show in Catalina for six months
2: Mm -hmm. at the museum
1: there that showed my drawings and uh, various props uh, from Jaws. And so we did a book, and it's called Designing Jaws, uh, and it has most of my storyboards shot for shot of the movie. It has those uh, illustrations I was talking about. So I started very early on, and I had different comments and technical drawings, and you could get it at uh, CatalinaMuseum.org.
0: Okay, that's great. Yeah, we'll urge our listeners to pick that up, and I'm I I'll try to do the same because that sounds like a terrific book. And
1: well, uh, I, I, it, it yeah. is it is this. It's not like Carl Gottlieb's book about making the movie. It's really about uh, getting all the beginning of it, getting the shark and getting all that together, and it's just filled with visuals, so much drawings, and uh, it costs a little bit to make because it's so much color. But I think it's it's quite different, and I think anybody who likes Jaws, I I really feel that it will be beneficial to their library, you know, to have that. Yeah,
0: it sounds like the perfect compliment to Carl's book, because his book uh, tells one side of the story, and I I guess that kind of – they're kind of like bookends, I guess you would say.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I see. It works works quite well, uh, because it was like the very beginning, and before anybody, I started those illustrations. They're all in the book. and uh, yeah how it started. Even with the library, I had some really rough sketches, this one, tracing paper were my first concepts of doing this mechanical shark. And then we have highly technical drawings in there too.